Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code SGP for up to $1,000 in deposit bonuses. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP, to play, win, and get paid. Sports Gambling Podcast Network and All Things Comedy are teaming up to run back the 2019 NFL playoffs via Madden simulations and give away $10,000 in my bookie credits. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash ATC for all the info. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash ATC. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchup pro and college football with just one catch we're only interested in underdogs who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset time to find out it's three dog thursday now here's your host tj reed yes indeed good to be back with you hope you are doing well it is the latest edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs when all those games are up and running. And the good news is it looks like we will have some more games up and running to add on to the NASCAR, the golf, the UFC, the boxing, uh, the European soccer that's taking place. Uh, Everything is starting to come back around, it looks like, for Major League Baseball to start up, the NBA and the NHL to resume. Let's hope we get to football by the time we get to August and August turns to September uh, etc. We're here to talk all about it here as part of Three Dog Thursday. And however you found the show, whether a social media link or through our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, or the Sports Gambling Podcast network feed of shows, thank you for doing so. A friendly reminder, subscribe away. Subscribe, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts, Spreaker, Red Circle, Anywhere you find podcasts, subscribe to us here on Three Dog Thursday. It'll come automatically to you whenever there is a new addition to the show. Rate and review the show as well. Give us a five-star rating. Review us. Several of you have done that in recent weeks. Keep doing that. Keep rating and reviewing the podcast. And that will only help more people discover uh, Three Dog Thursday. I want to tell you also to find our YouTube channel for video. Our YouTube roundtable segments are there. Uh, you can go back and relive past ones on past episodes. And obviously the one for this current episode will be there. Where you will see the likes of longtime NFL writer Jason Cole on the roundtable with me, along with Danielle McCartan of WFAN and the New York Media in the New York, New Jersey area. And Will Haskett, based in Indianapolis, does a great job. Multifaceted broadcaster, also uh, part of Sirius XM's PGA Tour radio golf coverage. Covered the event last weekend in Detroit that Bryson DeChambeau won. We're going to talk with Will about DeChambeau. If you're not familiar with golf, uh, he is an amazing talent. Former amateur champion, former uh, NCAA champion, now has won multi-times on the PGA Tour, but that's not the whole story. The whole story is he has bulked up like a linebacker and is hitting the ball farther and farther and farther, and the roundtable is obviously going to be discussing this a little bit later on. I look forward to Jason and Danielle and Will's takes on all of that. Straight ahead, our handicapper from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider is Brian Edwards. I always love his insight on all things. I want to talk NFL with him, including this Patrick Mahomes uh, contract that he has received from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, A massive 10-year deal. Uh, What are the implications of it? What does he think? What does it mean for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott? How about them Cowboys? Uh, What does it mean for Prescott and a long-term deal for him? What does it mean for Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, uh, any of these other guys uh, that are younger and are due a new deal? Uh, how much are Bears fans kicking themselves about Mitch Trubisky being the, being the guy they took instead of Mahomes in that draft back three years ago? So Brian will have thoughts on that. We'll talk about the NBA resumption, including a star player for the Indiana Pacers saying, nope, I'm good. I'm not going to be able to play in the resumption of the NBA. What does it mean for them? And I'm curious on a future standpoint and an underdog bet standpoint, 
you can get the futures odds right now on the NBA Finals teams, and I wonder uh, if, if besides the favorites like Milwaukee, like the Lakers, like the Clippers, who might be another NBA Finals team to sneak in uh, with the faves? If it's not Milwaukee against the Lakers or Milwaukee against the Clippers, who might be a good team to sneak in? I'll ask Brian Edwards about that. And Brian's got a ton of insight in the MMA and the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and they have now moved to their fight island. Interested to see what that looks like over in the Middle East where they've got everything quarantined, sequestered uh, for COVID-19 and are ready to have a UFC series of fight cards over there. UFC 251 is the pay-per-view. Saturday night primetime in the U.S. Brian will have thoughts on underdogs on that fight card, a couple of the fights, including the main event. So I look forward to hearing from Brian Edwards on all of those subjects. And uh, again, I, I, I have not said this really in the last couple of weeks of the podcast, but I will say it again here. Remain optimistic, folks. Uh, it, there are obviously a lot of signs uh, pointing to more positive uh, COVID-19 tests that are out there, there are far many more people being tested as well. And and one thing that has not been accurately articulated here over the course of the last few weeks with more positive tests, I do this show in West Central Florida here in the Tampa Bay area, and the state of Florida has been right in the crosshairs for everybody to lampoon uh, the state of Florida for the increase in positives uh, for coronavirus tests. The amount of testing that is going on, and then, most importantly, how many people are actually not sick, are not symptomatic, are not contagious, that's not being accurately reported enough. And that percentage, it is believed by a great many people that that percentage is a great number of the positive tests that you're hearing about. People that didn't realize that they've been exposed, didn't realize that their body fought it off, are asymptomatic, don't have the virus, aren't spreading the virus. I'm not saying there aren't people getting sick. I'm not saying that we shouldn't still be vigilant. I'm not saying there aren't some serious illnesses that are associated with this. But to hear all the hysteria and the hystericals that are still on the 24-hour cable news and to see them everywhere uh, all over the Internet proclaiming that because 10,000 new cases come into Florida in a single day or 20,000 new cases in this state or this area, Texas, Arizona, wherever it is, are coming in in a given week, how many of those people are seriously ill If out of 20,000, you're talking about less than 100 that are seriously ill or even less than 500 that are significantly ill enough to go to the hospital, then folks, I realize that COVID-19 is more dangerous, especially to those that are compromised with their immune system, that are older, that have lung issues, breathing issues. I realize it's much more dangerous than the flu. But for healthy people, When you're talking about uh, getting this and you're talking about positive tests, healthy people are going to overcome this. Healthy people, 99.999% are overcoming this in a matter of a day or a few days, maybe two or three days that are overcoming this. So when you hear... You know, 10,000 cases in a day in Florida, 20,000 in this in this location. Number one, how many people are seriously ill with this and or hospitalized with this? That's not being articulated nearly well enough. We know what the death rates aren't. The death rates aren't going up, even with the testing going up. And this only lends credence to the whole uh, asymptomatic, not contagious situation being a lot of these positive tests. And by the way, Here's another component of that that you need to think about. And all of this relates to sports, by the way. All of this relates to having a Major League Baseball season or having the NBA and the NHL resume. I know the NHL is talking about two different locations, uh, you know, eight games a day at the two different locations to resume their their uh, little round robin and their first round of their playoffs with 24 teams involved in the playoff picture instead of 16. So the NHL coming back, the NBA coming to Florida. We'll talk more about the NBA throughout the podcast with my guests. The NFL hopefully coming soon. All of this relates, the fear, the fear control, the fear mongering relates to everybody not wanting to go back and play sports or go back and have activities or go back and be outside and, and, and to compete. So I, I again stress and emphasize that I am not 
uh, making uh, any light of the fact that it is a serious virus for those that are older, for those that are compromised. We've got over 100,000 that have died. We've got uh, probably triple of that that have been seriously ill, if not more. But out of 200 or 300,000 serious illnesses and 300, must, uh, 300 million plus people in the country, and, and, uh, and by the way, the, uh, the latest numbers uh, from this week continue to demonstrate that it is a fraction, a small fraction of the population that actually has this while the fear co- control and the fear mongering is going on. So I know I'm going in, in a couple of different directions with this, but let me bring it back to let me hear more on who's asymptomatic. Let me hear more on who's not seriously ill with this, because then it relates to the flu, to influenza, where you get it and you're not seriously ill for you're, you're ill for two or three or four days. And I'm somebody, my hand is up, even though you can't see me right now during this segment of the podcast. I had influenza A, flu A, back in February. I'm giving you an insight into my own personal life. My wife had it back last winter. One of my two twin daughters, who's 12, they're both 12 years old, she had it last winter as well. Influenza A knocks you on your butt for a day or two. Not unlike the coronavirus. Uh, The same kind of thing uh, where the fatigue, the fever, feeling like you've gotten run over by a truck for a day or two, and then you eventually, through medication over the counter, through rest, through fluids, through food, through your body's own immune system, if you are healthy, you're able to overcome it. And before anybody runs off and says that I'm trying to minimize that the coronavirus isn't more deadly than influenza A, it is more deadly for those that are older and those that have compromised immune systems to not be able to overcome it. I get that. And we've had many more deaths than influenza A. But then again, with influenza A or B, the flu, there are other treatments that we now know about, not necessarily a a direct, uh, you know, take a shot, take a pill and it's going to be over. But there are many different treatments now that help your own body fight it off. And so what does this come back to? Let's be smart. Let's be reasonable about all of this because the the millions and millions and millions and millions of people that dealt with the flu like I did like like my family did that was not a reason to scare everybody to to death on go inside and stay inside and don't function and don't have anything don't have any sports don't have anything and by the way uh, let's go back in the recent past here we all went inside and sequestered and isolated and slowed everything down with the spread of this much to the detriment and the devastation of the economy the workforce forget about just sports here on the podcast and so now it should be up to everybody not just tj but everybody to make their own decisions social distance yes good hygiene yes be smart about uh taking precautions around those that are older older parents older relatives etc etc but when it's reasonable to return with social distancing to work and for sports then let's do it let's do it let's get rolling Let's get the games back going, and that's why we see all of this stuff starting to crank up, and I look forward to it. I look forward to talking more about it, not just on this podcast, but on subsequent podcasts that are coming up. Thank you for allowing me to vamp. Brian Edwards is going to be straight ahead. Our roundtable later on again. Find the YouTube channel. Find the video as Jason Cole, Danielle McCartan, and Will Haskett will join me in a bit. It is all part of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs when we have the games. It is Three Dog Thursday. Let's get started. Yes, let's do get things underway as we customarily do. Love the insight, the humor, the takes, the odds making of this man from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. Brian Edwards back with me. It is hot, hot everywhere. Sports now starting to heat back up. But, uh, man, whether it's the Gulf of Mexico where we live in Florida, the Atlantic Ocean, the swimming pool, we all got to get cooled off. How you feeling as we uh, as we crank along? Feeling good. TJ, really fired up for this uh, UFC event, not just uh, Saturday night, but uh, a card on Wednesday as well and four shows uh, on Fight Island, which is Yaz Island, over a, uh, a three-week stretch starting Saturday. 
All right, so more on the UFC, and he likes a couple of underdogs on that card, the ultimate fighting, the MMA, in a few moments. We are going to talk later in the roundtable portion of the podcast, the video portion of the podcast, with Jason Cole, Danielle McCartan, and Will Haskett about the Patrick Mahomes deal. So again, that's a tease. In the business, we like to say it's a tease. It's a tease later on for you guys to find uh, the YouTube page and see us on video, but you can hear that later on when we talk about Mahomes' deal. But while I got Brian Edwards right here, we got to talk about 10 years, $450 million, could be with incentives up to a $500 million deal. Super Bowl winner, uh, big future in front of him. Brian, what do you make of the, of the Chiefs just unloading a Brinks truck here? Uh, very, very smart move. He is 24 years old. He will only be 35 when this deal expires. The chances of them having to redo it once again, well, before we get to 2031, are, those chances are very, very high. This is a no-brainer. I know it sounds outrageous, the amounts, but you know how these big contracts go. They they eventually get exceeded. This one will get exceeded in the next year or two, and um, it was a smart move by the Chiefs. you got to lock this guy in. Uh, he's going to be one of the all-time greats, and as we've seen with Brady uh, Breeds here lately, um, you stay healthy, you can play quarterback into your 40s. That that's the hope, at least anyway, and and we'll talk more again with the with the panel on the video roundtable about the impact of it. But while I have you right here, let, let's focus in on something uh, about that draft. Of course, Bears fans are still bemoaning that they took Mitch Trubisky, and by the way, Ryan Pace, the GM, traded up with San Francisco and gave up a number one pick to move up a spot to make sure they could take Mitch Trubisky instead of grabbing Patrick Mahomes later on. The Chiefs traded up, I think, Brian, if I remember correctly. I've heard it somewhere recently traded up at least 10 spots to get into the top 15 and grab Mahomes when they did. Uh, yes, the Texans got Deshaun Watson out of that draft, but there, there are a lot of teams that foolishly maybe had a chance in the top 10 or had a chance to move up like Kansas City to grab this guy and did not do it. Follow up on that for me. Well, just the, not only did you miss out on Mahomes, but, you, you know, it was just a total whiff on Trubisky, in my opinion. I mean, he had only been the starter at North Carolina for one season. I mean, I think he only had yep. what, 13 career starts. Something like that. I mean, yeah. I'm not second. I'm not second guessing the Bears. I first guessed them, and I was not. I didn't even think Trubisky, um, you know, was was should have been a, a first round pick, much less trade up uh, the way they did and, and give up a, a King's ransom. And, and, you know, I watch Texas Tech a lot. I bet they're overs a lot, and I loved watching Mahomes. Now, I was a little – just a little – I didn't criticize the pick by any means, but I was just a little worried about his height. But um, there's no problems with anything in his game or his well, repertoire. And they, they look like they are going to be set for a while. Uh, we'll get into more of the contract on the roundtable. Again, I'm teasing the roundtable a bunch. Uh, there on that I- interesting that uh for the for the rest of the NFL quarterbacks I mean we saw massive deals for guys like Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers that that came around uh recently or Ben Roethlisberger and the big contracts that are being thrown around so you know I guess Deshaun Watson's big deal D- Dak Prescott looming he's allegedly going to sign the franchise tag that's going to have him around 30 million what's a few million among friends right Brian 30 million 32 million something like that <laughs> Uh, and, and then you wonder what, you know, what down the road, I know Lamar Jackson was just the last couple of years, but you wonder about Lamar a couple of years from now and what he might be worth. Don't know that it's Mahomes type level money right now for him, but man, if they have another huge year, who knows? You're right. I mean, this is the latest massive deal. There will be other massive deals that'll be coming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, I think Dak is, he's risking a lot. I mean, not that, What's he going to get? Is he going to get paid thirty five this year? Something like that. Yes, thirty to thirty two, thirty five, yeah. something yeah. on a one year franchise deal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we don't have to worry about him going broke. But if he were to have a, a big time injury this year, he's really risking a lot because he can hook up his grandchildren right now. And I really don't think he he is 
as good or not nearly as good as Mahomes, and I, and I don't think he's as good as Deshaun Watson either. Uh, I think he's taking a, a risk, and um, I hope it works out for him. But I don't, you know, I thought he should have taken what was it last summer? I think it was a 30 a year he turned down. And um, so, well, I mean, I hope it works out. It was for him. not Let's as long term a deal and not as much guaranteed money as this Mahomes deal. And I guess part of the argument, again, from agents. And, and and players that have watched this is if you're betting on yourself here, wait on some of these other contracts to come in and then use that as the barometer on what you're looking for. Because if Mike McCarthy, the new coach, and we got to remind ourselves here with all the, the pandemic stuff, the Cowboys have a new coaching staff. McCarthy, the former Packers coach, comes in. Quarterback guru. I know him a little bit. He, he was a former quarterback guru with the Saints, with the, with the 49ers. That's how he got the Packer job, the relationship with Rodgers. If McCarthy works with him and he has a huge year, there is no doubt that uh, you're, you're looking at $30 million, $35 million a year for how many ever years for Dak Prescott again. So that, that's, I'm sure, what he's betting on uh, with that. So anyway, a little, little news there well, the flip- uh, in the NFL. Go ahead. Well, I was the flip side of that is not that that Jerry would value the head coach over the player necessarily, but McCarthy's got a history of beefing with his quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So if that relationship doesn't get <laughs> off to a good start, um, well, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if Dak's really good this year, I'm sure Jerry would kick McCarthy to the curve before him. But uh, that that relationship will be something to watch. Yeah, and I think, you know, with Ezekiel Elliott there being paid a ton, they have to evaluate, uh, can they afford to take the risk, too, that most of their cap would be tied up, a good portion of it, with two guys. So if Dak doesn't play well, to your point, maybe this is an aha, let's go find another quarterback in free agency or in the draft again and get cheaper financially at that position in the short term. Let's see. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, for the Cowboys on that, we just know that Mahomes uh, has cashed in. And I'll, I'll say this again with the roundtable. If you're the Chargers or a fan, the Broncos are a fan, or the Raiders are a fan, oh boy, getting used to Mahomes and uh, seeing him over and over and over again. Although he did overcome injuries last year. A couple of them. Ankle injury early on in the season, and then later the dislocated kneecap that sidelined him uh, for, a, for a, what, two games, I think, or, or two and a half games, something like that. Uh, we'll see how the how the health part stays in for Patrick Mahomes as well. Uh, while we have you here, I want to talk a little NBA. So we are in the state of Florida, and at the time that we are talking, the NBA is still planning full speed ahead to resume with their bubble uh, in Orlando, where they're able to control the environment. The Disney Wide World of Sports will be the place where they play the games, hotels in and around the Disney properties, etc. So teams have begun to not only work out some in their home market, but have begun to make their way to Orlando for the resumption of, uh, of the NBA season that will be coming with eight regular season games to finish up for the teams that are coming and then uh, the playoffs. So, so Brian, we, we've gotten some more news. Victor Oladipo, uh, one of the better players in the league, the best player arguably on the Indiana Pacers, says he's not going to play for Indiana, which is in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference. What do you make of that, and, and does this uh, really damage the Pacers' chances to make a run in the East when all of this resumes that Oladipo now says he's not playing? Yeah, it absolutely damages their chances. Uh, they're the fifth seed, but they can easily get. I mean, they're only two games back of Miami, so they could get that fourth seed. Not that home, not that it matters though, because we don't have home court advantage anymore. So you know, I don't really. I mean, he's, it's not that he's worried about COVID. He, he's even going to travel with the team and be there. It's more now. It was a pretty bad injury, and he had only played thirteen games, but. The last, uh, I think it was the last four or five games, he was really starting to, you know, uh, to get back into the swing of things. And obviously we've had a, a four-month uh, break here. But uh, the last game they played against Boston, he had 27 points, seven boards, and four assists in only 28 minutes of playing time. Um, now, in the 13 games, he only averaged 13.8 points, 3.2 boards, 3.0 assists. But those minutes were, you know, pretty limited uh, you know, those first five or six games. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a big blow uh, to Indiana. But, um, you know, he's, he's a young guy. You don't want to lose him in the long term. 
uh, you know, although I think he has um, only one year left on his contract, but I mean, unless he gets injured again, I would think Indiana is going to want to re up with him. 27 years old, and uh, you know, one of the, I mean, he's probably a top uh, top 50 player in the league. I think so. Probably a top 25, maybe even go that far when fully maybe. healthy. Uh, and again, this is going to yeah, be big maybe. question marks, big question marks for a lot of these teams on who's back, who's healthy. We saw pictures that it looks like Zion Williamson is in uh, even better shape, maybe took as much as 15 pounds of kind of the baby fat, if you will, off that he played with at Duke in his first year in the NBA and is more sculpted. Of course, right now, the, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans right now are on the outside looking in for the eighth seed, uh, trying to chase down Memphis in the Western Conference just to make what would be the playoffs in the resumption. Hey, one thing that I'm interested in, they've got futures odds up for the NBA Finals. We haven't really talked about this angle. We've talked about other angles about battling for the eighth seed and who might likely uh, be that eighth seed in the east or the west. Most everybody would suspect that the top seeds should be in the NBA Finals. It's not always the case, though. But uh, the Lakers are the top seed in the west. Milwaukee with Giannis. Uh, right now, uh, the top seed in the East, that's the heavy favorite for the NBA Finals matchup. Is there is there another team that you want to put in the mix, either in combination with Milwaukee or with the Lakers, that you think might be a better futures bet right now that you can get good odds on, an underdog, et cetera, for an NBA Finals matchup? Brian Edwards, what do you think? Well, I mean, there might be teams that other our listeners or your listeners uh, might be interested in. So, I mean, I'll give you the odds. Uh, so, Bucks Lakers is the plus three hundred favorite. I, I'm partial to Clippers Bucks plus three seventy. And watch out for my man Joe Kim Noah, who's been picked up by the Clippers. He played really well for Memphis down the stretch uh, year before, or yeah, last year, I guess. Um, and they picked him up just to add another piece. Uh, but if you know, if you're bullish on the Rockets, the the Rockets uh, Milwaukee matchup is eleven to one or plus eleven hundred. Um, or if you're bullish on the Nuggets, Milwaukee and Denver is sixteen to one. Boston and the Lakers is nineteen to one, and then it goes all, all you know down the line, including every team. So there, there's a lot of them out there uh, for those interested in that type of bet. Yep, interesting uh, that for the Nuggets, Jokic. The big man, uh, the Serb. Uh, there, it's still an unknown about when he can travel back to the United States. Uh, for coronavirus purposes, um, and that's huge for them. So beware on, uh, on, on when he is available, how he's available to come into that bubble. And again, they are slated to start playing games um, in a couple of weeks here if they can get everything back rolling at the end of July. So we'll find out for the NBA. What we do know will be happening is UFC 251. You alluded to this at the beginning of the conversation on the fight island in Abu Dhabi over in the Middle East. Dana White's MMA, the UFC uh, pay-per-view that's ongoing. And you actually have been analyzing uh, and handicapping this all along as they've resumed and had numerous fight cards and pay-per-views now over the last couple of months in Florida and Vegas. All right, give me a thought here as this will go on in the middle of the night in the Middle East, but actually prime time in the U.S. for Saturday night, depending on when they're hearing us on Three Dog Thursday. Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com. What do you like for an underdog, uh, maybe on the undercard at least to start with? Uh, Well, um, the first uh, fight on, it's actually the main card, but I I think you mean undercard by not the main event in boxing terms, uh, I believe. Yeah, so um, uh, I like Paige Van Zandt. She is an enormous underdog. She is plus as high as plus six forty five at one offshore. Now she has been out for eighteen months. She broke her arm and had to have multiple surgeries. But Amanda Rebus, who is very good, is fighting at one hundred and twenty five pounds for the first time. This is Paige's normal weight class. So Rebus is going up in class. And so I think, you know, that there's a, you know, a chance. And I'll also mention this is a contract fight for Paige Van Zandt. Her UFC contract ends after this fight. And really just, I mean, she's a hell of a fighter, but even just 
if it were based on the good looks, she's going to have big money offers from Bellator, one championship, PFL, et cetera. So she really wants to perform well in this spot. And I think she's got a good, a decent chance. And she's a plus 645 underdog. Page 12 Gage Van Zandt. <laughs> and uh, give, her, give her Instagram a follow. You might like that. Yeah, Paige Van Zant, not bad looking, but can fight as well. So again, you like her as the underdog. And then the main event is interesting uh, because one of the fighters is a late replacement if you don't keep up with this. And I don't keep up with it hardcore, obviously, like Brian does. But this is a late add to the main event fight, and you like that <laughs> fighter as a potential underdog. Explain more, Brian. Yeah, so after dinner uh, Friday night, I saw it on my phone that Gilbert Burns, who I recommended, you know, we have at uh, about a plus 180 price against Woodley, um, not only like five or six weeks ago, and he won. He, he was getting the title shot, but he tested positive for COVID. So Burns got the title shot because Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, who was the 2019 UFC Fighter of the Year, had the fastest knockout over Ben Askren and uh, also had uh, big wins over Darren Till and Nate Diaz for the BMF belt. So Jorge, you know, he beat Diaz last November and Dana right after that fight said that was the fight to make Cameroon Usman, the welterweight 170 pound champion fighting Masvidal. So Masvidal has been training for Usman since December, but when their negotiations broke down, and Burns was so hot, they just gave the shot to Burns. But, you know, uh, Jorge's teammate, Dustin Poirier, who fought whatever it was, like 10 or 11 days ago, um, you know, it's not like Masvidal quit training. He, in fact, he was helping Dustin get ready for his fight as their teammates down in South Florida. And so it's not – I mean, it's a, a short-notice fight. I mean, I guess you say eight days, or it didn't become official until six days before. But I'm not really looking at Masvidal being that – handicapped by this i mean he was full-on training for this fight up till like five weeks ago and it's not like he quit training now he did say he did have to cut uh 20 pounds in six days however um i read earlier on um mma junkie mike dulce who's one of the top nutritionists that ufc fighters work with he not only said it wouldn't be a problem but he said that usman's uh weight cut would be tougher because Usman normally walks around at more than 200. So I got Masvidal on Monday, right when it came out. I got it at plus 260. I tweeted, it's hard to predict these odds moves, but I would get it now. And right now, the best price on the board for Masvidal is plus 230, and there are a lot of books that are more like plus 200 and plus 210. I think Masvidal KOs Kamaru Usman to win the belt. But I will say, Usman is a better grappler and a better wrestler, but Masvidal is not bad in either of those departments, and Masvidal has an enormous advantage when the fight's standing. All right, so something to keep an eye on there on on which way this fight goes. Does it become a grappling wrestling event, or is it stand-up, upright fight? It's a good point that you make uh, there on that. Always love the insight of Brian Edwards. Uh, you can find him again at Vegas B. Edwards on Twitter. Find him on MajorWager.com, writing about UFC 251. He wrote about the Mahomes contract. You can read more about the particulars and what it means for the Chiefs and their futures odds. Uh, Chiefs right now, Brian, what at about 11.5 on the win total? It's ridiculous. The under-over is 11.5 uh, for them all the way up with Mahomes. So, uh, it's it's wild. Re- read more there at MajorWager.com, uh, and you also get his picks as well on Vegas Insider, particularly for the UFC, uh, etc., and we love having him here on Three Dog Thursday. Always love it. Try to stay cool, my friend. Always love chatting with you, Brian. Great stuff as always. Be well. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, buddy. And let me squeeze in. Get Max Holloway plus 200 and those Jose Aldo Jr. at plus 192 more underdogs I like on the main card. Thanks, TJ. Have a great one. My thanks again there to Brian Edwards hanging out with me as he does each and every week, giving you a great insight and odds making and underdog. Still to come, our roundtable is straight ahead with Jason Cole, Danielle McCartan, and Will Haskett on the roundtable of this go around. All things Mahomes in the NFL. Uh, the Yankees in Major League Baseball, where Danielle is. Will Haskett just worked the uh, the golf tournament, the PGA Tour event in Detroit last weekend, where Bryson DeChambeau won. What about him bulking up and hitting it farther than just about anybody right now? So uh, we'll hear from those guests. And, and a reminder again, find the YouTube channel to see the video of the roundtable, the Three Dog Thursday YouTube channel. Search away 
uh, the, for Three Dog Thursday on YouTube and subscribe away to this podcast, the audio version of the podcast on uh, Apple Podcast, on Spotify, on Google Podcast, Red Circle, Spreaker, etc. Subscribe away here to Three Dog Thursday. And a reminder, Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by MyBookie and MyBookie.ag. The guys are back with another simulation tournament from the Sports Gambling Podcast, and they're teaming up with All Things Comedy to run back the 2019 playoffs and give away $10,000 in MyBookie credits. So the simulation tournaments are going on every weekend. Go to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash ATC for all the info on the tournament and how you can win and how you can get in and how you can gamble on the games. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash ATC. And a reminder again that whether you're trying to bet on NASCAR, on the UFC pay-per-views, on the PGA Tour that's resumed, baseball will be here soon, the NBA, the NHL, mybookie.ag is one of the largest sports books online on the planet. Live and dynamic odds, you can always pick your spot for the right bet on all the different sports as they come back around. And right now you can sign up with the promo code SGP for Sports Gambling Podcast. Use that promo code SGP. They will match 50% of your initial deposit. Put 100 bucks in, they'll give you 50 more to play with at mybookie.ag. Put 500 in, you get 250 to play with. Use our promo code SGP for that initial deposit with mybookie. And as always, with mybookie, you bet, you win, and most importantly, when you win, you get paid fast with mybookie.ag. And we're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. If you've ever thought of starting your own sports book but don't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help with everything that you need. An all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. And again, all the sports coming back. You've got UFC, you've got NASCAR, boxing now back, golf back. Soon enough, it's going to be the NBA and the NHL resuming their seasons later in the summer. Ace Per Head offers it all, including live betting, amazing mobile experience, Get started today, and Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Go to aceperhead.com for the offer slash SGP. aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more about the free offer that's up there now with Ace Per Head. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We continue along here on Three Dog Thursday, and it has kind of become a tradition now, the video roundtable, and I am thrilled to have my guest panelist this week, longtime National Football League a writer and insider, multi-time books, pro football, Hall of Fame voter as well, Jason Cole, back with me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Captain, how you feeling? I'm Fantastic. You look fantastic. You look relaxed. This is good. We got an NFL season looming. We want to talk to him about that. Also with me, Danielle McCartan. Love me some Danielle out of New Jersey, the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, does a bunch of fill-in work with WFAN. Uh, works as well on game days with the New York Giants for the upcoming football season as well as other endeavors. Coach McCartan, good to have you back on the podcast. Thanks, TJ. Well, we're hoping for this upcoming season with the Giants. We have not heard anything just yet. So, we will remain hopeful. I noticed Danielle rocking the Yankees uh, outfit. Yep, we'll get to that coming up. And the other dapper gentleman to join the lady here, although I'm considering myself dapper, uh, and I'm not sure even though I'm, I'm pimping the Okoe uh, River rafting that we did uh, a little while ago in the summer on the Tennessee-Georgia border today. Uh, he is dapper in the hat. He's Will Haskett uh, with me from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, Will, multifaceted broadcaster and play-by-play, including Sirius XM Radio's PGA Tour coverage. Will just worked the Rocket Mortgage Classic this past weekend in Detroit, where Bryson DeChambeau won. Good to have you, sir. Hey, God bless the new world, man. I can just put a hat over the pool hair, and we just get on rolling because people just don't care what we look like in the biz anymore. I'm loving life. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rocking the COVID uh, lack of hair haircut. We've been in the pool today uh, here in Florida. Uh, Danielle says it's raining in New Jersey, although it looks sunny out your window. I don't know what's up with that. And, and Mr. Cole is cool anytime uh, out of the year. Absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get to it in terms of the National Football League and uh, and everything that has been transpiring. Uh, okay. So first things first, Patrick Mahomes. Let's talk about that situation. Jason Cole, to you first. Uh, we're looking on the screen, at least I hope we're seeing on the screen, that Patrick Mahomes gets the new deal from Kansas City, very similar to Jason Cole's last deal that he did working in the NFL, 10 years, $450 million guaranteed. Um, it, and look, uh, by comparison, as Adam Schefter tweeted out here, we've seen other athletes making 300 350 Mike Trout making $400 million. What do we make of the Super Bowl champion quarterback Mahomes, who's what, Jason, uh, 24, 25 with this kind of massive deal? It's the new highest paid deal in the NFL. What do we, uh, what do we make of it? I think this is one of those outlier deals that you're not going to see a lot of other teams try to replicate. I mean, that's the thing that I hear from people is, oh, what does this mean for Deshaun Watson? What does it mean for Dak Prescott? I think it's a – it's a really aggressive deal on the part of the Chiefs to try and get control of the best player in the league for 10 years at, a time, at, at one time. They did pay a guaranteed premium. I think it's $180 million by March of 2023 that they're going to be in for in this contract. Okay, But that's a pittance compared to what he's worth. And over 10 years, $500 million could be a bargain for Patrick Mahomes after 10 years if he gets that far. All right, so there's a lot of ifs to it, right? But he's clearly the best quarterback in the league. You're going to pay that kind of money for this kind of talent. You're going to pay for him, especially now. He's in a place to maybe win another title or two in the next three to four years with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. You've still got Tyreek Hill. You've still got Travis Kelsey. You brought in Hilaire to go with Damian Williams. So you have a lot of parts together to try and make a little run here. Uh, and so you want to keep that all together. But when people talk about Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott, I don't see the appetite for those teams to want to pay the kind of guaranteed money you need to get to get control of a player for 10 years. And I'm not sure that the players themselves are going to sit there and say, oh, I'm willing to tie myself up for 10 years without getting that kind of money. Another good point, Danielle, we'll go to you next on this, that obviously Mahomes has done something that Watson and Prescott have not, which is not only win a playoff game, but win a Super Bowl. And there's more stability, I think, there with head coach, with Andy Reid. What are your thoughts on, on Mahomes agreeing to this mega deal that locks him up if, if both sides want this and the Chiefs clearly w would want this for a decade? What about it? Well, there's good 10-year contracts or long-term deals, and then there's bad ones. On that screen that you showed, let's talk about the New York Yankees picking up John Carlos Stanton's contract. Like, that is a head-scratcher. I mean, come on, man. He, You know, so let's, let's not even go there. But speaking of Patrick Mahomes, I mean, the guy is clearly the best quarterback, like you said, Jason, in the NFL. I talked to Phil Simms once just in passing, and he said that Patrick Mahomes is the best technically sound quarterback in the NFL and that has translated as we've seen to a Super Bowl victory and many more to come they've had a they've got a great um structure in place there in Kansas City with the team that that's around him with the head coach and with the ownership they are going to be going places for a long time to come in the AFC and the best part about this deal in my opinion is the fact that like Patrick Mahomes was able to structure and they were able to structure the deal so that there is money left over for other players on the team around him. You know, so many times we see these head, these, these macho massive contracts, you know, like the Mike Trout contract. I know there's no, um, there's no cap in baseball, but when you look at the talent around him, it's, it's not the best, but Mahomes is now tied into the salary cap and he'll be getting his raises, I guess, as I understand it in that way so that they can continue to grow the team around him and put the best team around him in the best supporting cast. And for that reason, Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to be on perennial playoff boards, perennial Super Bowl, the top <laughs> of those lists every single year for the next 10 years. I was just thinking this. The, the teams that hate it would be, what, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders, because they're going to see a lot of him, Will Haskett. Uh, real quick, your take here on Mahomes – cashing in as an AFC you're in an AFC market there in Indianapolis young man 
you know, it's a, uh, it's a lot of money. I mean, that's, <laughs> just go ahead and get yourself some of that money, kid. I mean, it's incredible, really, when you think about it. But generational arm talent, I mean, I think when you look at somebody who is completely different and worth it, and then the other thing about it, too, is, like, I, it's, you can't compare across sports. But when you flash the graphic, Mike Trout, if you're an analytics guy or a baseball guy, you know how good of a player he is. But in that market, what it's done to that team, the ability to be relevant, and then as kind of the face of the league, like he's never really been the face of Major League Baseball. Like Patrick Mahomes is also the face of the entire league. And I understand it's one team that's on the hook for all of the money, but everything makes sense there. Now, the only question there is, is we saw him hobbled around and beat around and in the Super Bowl. And I understand that he has the ability to probably evolve better than most quarterbacks like we were talking about with like Deshaun Watson type but 10 years is a long time you don't know what's going to happen in a 10-year window of time so I almost say kudos to him more than necessarily kudos to the team for locking in that long term of a deal because 10 years is a long time but of all the players yeah it makes total sense he would be the one that walks away with 500 mil let me lean on the sage wisdom of Jason Cole. A lot of times when you see these numbers, they look bloated. They are bloated. And in reality, this may be like a five-year deal or a six-year deal, and then they go to rework sure. it both sides, right? Fair? Yes, real quick? Uh, rework it, no. Get out of it, yes, depending on what happens. I mean, if he gets injured somewhere along the line, there are opportunities for the Chiefs to get out of it. It's, it's tied up, though, that they have to pay roster bonuses along the way that – they're going to have to keep him for probably two years at a time if that happens. I would say this on, on this side of it. He gets a big chunk of change up front. And so he's going to get $180 million over the next four years. Right? He's worth it. They've already made that money. Right? Right. That, like that pay, that's paid off. So you don't have to worry about them earning it. But again, $180 million is a great deal for him for what – a player who could be worth six or seven hundred million dollars, or eight hundred million dollars even uh, on the cap, if you were to just play it out for ten years. I mean, really, that's that's what we're saying here. They bought out his entire entire career. Yes, they paid a premium, but by year six, seven, eight, nine, ten of this deal, it could be a bargain with the growth of the cap. Yeah, as, Rick, as ridiculous as that sounds, it might very well be. That's the voice of Jason Cole. Again, I make mention, uh, you may be uh, hearing us only on the podcast through Apple Podcasts, through Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Find the YouTube page. Find the video here through a social media link, et cetera. You can see Jason Cole. You can see Danielle McCartan. You can see Will Haskett uh, kicking around here on the video roundtable that we've been doing the last few weeks in the summer on Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe, as always, to the YouTube channel, and you can see us and, uh, and hear us. But if you're listening only, that's how you find us. All right, so Danielle, let's go to you and go to subject number two, and that is near and dear uh, in your market, baseball is slated to return coming up, and the New York Yankees have begun to work out uh, in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. We are looking at the Yankees right now on the video feed with an inner squad game that is being televised by uh, the Yes Network the other night. So the major league teams have begun to work out. Uh, there's uh, coronavirus testing. There are some positive tests. There are guys opting out. Danielle, I know you're optimistic. Um, I know a lot of baseball fans are optimistic that we're going to get some baseball. Give me your thoughts, though, here on getting to see the Yankees uh, out, out working out. Give us, give us the vibe. What do you think? And, and tell me more about what we're watching here. Well, you know you're a really big baseball fan when you're, when you're watching a live coverage of an inter-squad game in which <laughs> there are varying levels of fielders in the field. I mean, I watched it and there were no outfielders. There were no infielders the other night. And you know what, though? People are glued to it. Last night, um, Garrett Cole pitched, and Miguel Andujar lit him up for a home run in right field, uh, first pitch swinging. So I don't know if that bodes poorly for Cole or, or really well for Miguel Andujar. So that's kind of where we're at here in the Yankee market. And then not to mention the Mets. And, and you know, I think the Mets – and the Yankees are, are both beneficial by this shortened season. Hopefully they'll get it off the ground. Hopefully they can play their 60 games. Um, and I think that the only thing that, that we should really be talking about in Asterix is only if the Houston Astros win the World Series. That's the only asterisk. Uh, <laughs> she um, gets the dig in on the Astros on that. Yeah. The Dodger fan, I agree. Yeah, oh, they, he's you know, a, a Dodger fan. Yeah, they, they, I didn't know that about Cole. He's the Dodger fan. Keep going, Danielle. Finish. 
they are the, the luckiest ducks of this entire season because they are not going to have to hear it from the fans in the stands. I mean, I, maybe the Astros created COVID. Who knows? I'm just being facetious. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, the, the Mets and the Yankees are, are in prime positions. And the Yankees have such a great starting pitching lineup uh, rotation. And they've got all their players back from injury. Stanton is back. Judge is back. Hicks is back. Paxton's back. I mean, the Yankees are in business, everybody. And those players were not expected to be back until now on the calendar. And then let's look at in Queens and the Mets. The Mets have such a young, talented roster. They've got Jacob deGrom going for his third Cy Young Award. Uh, is like historic. And, and they've got Alonzo. And, and just go down that roster. I mean, and the best part about this whole season for the Mets is that they have a universal DH now. The Mets have two, not one, two built into their roster. I thought you were going to say the best part about the Mets and the 60-game season is they won't be out of it in August. That's the line that we keep uh, uttering. They'll still be in it. No matter what, and neither will the Marlins. Uh, Will Haskett, your thoughts? I know you're in the Midwest. I honestly don't know your baseball allegiance or if you have any, but give me me some insight. It's Cubs, right? Go ahead. Oh, the one team that I actually live and die with, the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, you know, everybody is excited about a 60-game season because anything is possible, right? As a Cubs fan, you're like, man, John Lester can stay strong for 60 games. You know, he's going to break down for a full season but heck he's going to be able to bulldog his way through a whole season got Schwarber hitting DH even though they claim David Ross claimed he's going to be playing in left field I'll believe it when I see it when we see in Schwarbs on the left side of the dish most of the season in the DH spot so I think everybody has hope and I think the other hope of it has to do within sort of this COVID uncertainty we've seen sports obviously from my perspective from a golf standpoint we've seen sports that are individually run able to sort of exist in these bubbles and while the NBA and I think very much so the NFL are now extremely worried about the futures of their sports over the next couple of months the thing that baseball has in a little bit of a built-in advantage is it's kind of socially distant will allow i think from a competitive advantage or disadvantage standpoint the opportunity for guys to slide in and out for a week or so at a time if we end up with some positive tests when competition actually gets started. So it's really sad it took so long and baseball can't get their ish together to figure out how to get on the actual field a little bit sooner than what ended up happening. But everybody got to this point. I think it's in the best shape of the team sports to be able to see it all the way through. And every single fan base, I think, should be a little bit excited because you have hope from day one until the end of the season. Because you're right, like the Marlins could actually make a run, which sounds crazy to think, but anything can happen over 60 games. Anything can happen. Well, Jason's a former South Florida guy, and he's saying it's over for them no matter what. It probably but the good is news over. is right. they yeah. cannot be mathematically eliminated till at right. least like August 15th. That's Will's point. They, they are still mathematically alive if you have them already Ooh. dead. Uh, or, or not. Uh, hey, quick opinions. J- Jason, Danielle, and Will, is baseball going to be able to get it underway and get it finished uh, here in the time frame that they want to because they've already had issues with testing, et cetera, et cetera? I see your fingers crossed. Mr. Cole, first, what, what do you gauge it at? Look, I, I just, I, I'm not expert enough to tell you whether this is going to work or not. Right? Nobody is. All right? Even the people who are experts can't predict this enough. We're all hoping, okay, because we want to see something that makes us happy, all right? We, we need that in this country right now. We need something that's a distraction. So I hope it works. Baseball, I, again, I think Will's on the mark that baseball has the best chance because you do have some built-in social distancing into the end of the game. But that's still no guarantee, especially with the number of positive tests that we've seen so far. So we got a lot of questions. I hope it happens. I'd love to see some kind of sports, any kind of sports at this point in time, um, that I really, truly love. So, yes, I've got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping beyond hope that it will happen. And I do think it's going to be an interesting baseball season because San Diego Padres, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Rays with great bullpens, teams that have deep pitching staffs and, and great bullpens, lots of arms, have great opportunities in, in, in this season um, because it doesn't matter if you have a great rotation or if you have this great lineup. You just need to go game by game to get through it. So I think it's going to be a fabulous short season. It's not what we're built to, to necessarily be used to, but I'm, I'm hoping it happens. Wonderful. Danielle, quickly gauge it. 50-50 chance they get all the way through, get it going, 75-25. Are you more optimistic than that? Real quick. Oh, let me try channel my inner Dr. Fauci. I'm going to go with <laughs> they are, they are going to get about 85% of the game done. <laughs> 
She got she got that the impersonation. Good. You don't have the gray wig and the glasses though on the on the impersonation, but Thank she did God. pull it off. Will Haskett, how optimistic that they're gonna at least get most, if not all of it in? I'm just glad Dr. Fauci's allowed at this briefing of these four minds today because uh, that's <laughs> unlike some other places in this country right now. Um, I, you know, again, it, it's irresponsible for us to even try to assign a percentage to it. Like, I, again, I'm hopeful. And I think if there's one thing that we've seen is that many spots and businesses in this country are open to trying and trying to stay safe to see things to a completion. So if you look at it, the business down the street that's building widgets, they went back to work because they needed people to work. And they're hopefully trying to do all of the safe things. The best thing about professional sports is they're going to be held to a higher standard when it comes to health and safety than maybe a privately held company down the street. So we know there's going to be safety protocols in place. And I think we're more accepting of the fact that there could be many outbreaks here or there. Could there be a major outbreak that shuts it down? Absolutely. Could there be locations where guys can't play? I mean, could you imagine right, right now where it's crazy in Arizona with cases by the day, the Diamondbacks showing up to play a game in a month in a town that allows fans into the stands because their local restrictions are different. I mean, there's so many variables right. that could pop up, but I'm optimistic. I would say I'm more optimistic than pessimistic because I think people are just trying to find whatever way we can to get things to the finish line so we can keep moving forward and put people to work. Again, uh, wrapping it up here, talking with Jason Cole, Danielle McCartan, and Will Haskett on the different subjects. It's Three Dog Thursday, uh, not only video show, but podcast as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. But if you're only hearing us, once more, the plug, if you're only hearing this, find it uh, via YouTube, see the video, go to a social media link that will have the video, and you can see what, we're look like, uh, what we look like while we're discussing this. Uh, all right, so Will, I also have you on here. You're a great resource on a lot of things, including the play-by-play -play that you just did of the Rocket Mortgage Classic, the uh, the golf tournament in Detroit, the PGA Tour event. You were there and were working uh, that golf event, won by Bryson DeChambeau, who is a – yes, muscles all the way uh, for DeChambeau. There's no question about that. So, uh, you know, again, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about him uh, here, and I hope that everybody – um, is seeing the before and after. So DeChambeau, a mm. former U.S. amateur champion, a former NCAA champion, has now won multi-times on the PGA Tour, won this event in Detroit. But the bigger subject is how much bulk he has put on. Uh, he, is, he is doting by protein shakes and caloric intake. He's clearly bigger. He's clearly hitting the ball farther. Will, you were there. What, what do you make of the physical transformation for DeChambeau, who was already an amazingly talented golfer? He's just now pounding the drives even farther. What do you make of, uh, of all of this, please? Yeah, I'd give him a fourth round grade as a linebacker, to be honest. I mean, maybe maybe he could slip up into the lower third um, if he went, wanted to be draft eligible for next year. No, I mean, he's a big boy now. I mean, he has taken it to the extreme. I mean, six protein shakes a day, four eggs for breakfast, eats whatever he wants, three workouts a day. I mean, I wish I had the time in my life to work out once a day. He's finding a way to work out three times a day and hit golf balls in practice. But what people have to understand about Bryson DeChambeau and anybody in your audience that doesn't follow golf is that Bryson DeChambeau has always been the ultimate tinkerer. He is not happy unless he is almost uncomfortable in terms of his thought. I mean, this is a guy that thinks about barometric pressure when he's getting ready to pick which club he's going to hit out of his bag. He's always <laughs> messing with equipment. So it's no surprise that he's the one who also happens to have a frame on his body to be able to add all this weight. It was ridiculous walking around with him all week, seeing how much farther he hits it than the other guys in his group. I mean, he makes guys who hit 290 look short because he's out there bombing at 350, 360. And I'm a data and analytics guy, and you know that, TJ. And there's strategy behind what he does. It's not just smash and go. There, it is statistically proven with all the data the PGA Tour has started to accumulate over the last two decades that the farther you hit it, even if it's a little bit offline, the better chance you give yourself to score. So he's exploiting what we're learning about the competitive advantages in golf for those who hit it farther. That's why Tiger was so different when he originally came out, why Jack was good back in the day. It's not just about modern day equipment. Long players have always been better because you're getting it closer to the hole. The thing that's amazing about him from a physiological standpoint is as hard as he is swinging the golf club, as fast as it is, and all the stuff he's changed, He's really not lost that much accuracy. And when he does miss a fairway, he's missing it in the right spots. There's one thing about missing it right and having no angle to a whole location on the green. He's, if it's back right, he's hitting the drive in the left rough if he misses, which means he's opening up shots. So it's not 
it's, it's really remarkable. Most guys, I've never seen so many other tour pros stop to watch one guy hit a golf ball. I saw a guy peeking over the fence on his way to the car after his <laughs> round was over with on Friday to watch Bryson hit a tee shot on 10. Like other pl- pros are talking about it. So there's a lot of respect out there for what he's doing. It's crazy how much longer he's gotten. It's the story in golf right now. I got, a little, I got two questions. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Like, do they PED test in, in golf? <laughs> they do. One? And number no. two, like, do you, like, if, if this is the way that the metrics are going to go, are they going to have to build bigger courses? That's know. another, that's another great question. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, it's two separate, to me, it's two separate conversations, right? Because we can dial back equipment to make the ball go a little less far if we are worried yeah. about the sustainability of golf courses. And when that happens, Bryson is still going to find a way to swing it faster than everybody else. So will guys get up to this place where they're able to swing at his speed? I don't know how many guys could actually get there and sustain it and continue to try and do it. Will we see different players try and get into the game? Will we see more six, four guys learn how to have touch and learn how to putt who can then put on, you know, 225, 230 and be muscular athletic sort of guys. I mean, watch this week, the charity event out in Tahoe and watch some of the NFL players that swing it effortlessly really, really hard. I mean, great athletes can move the golf ball out there, but can they master the other 13 clubs in the bag? That's the real question. So I think there's Jason, there's two answers to that question. Do we need to shorten it because we're running out of land to build golf courses on? That's one conversation. Will we see guys swing it less or will we see guys change? I think it's no to the second question. And I think the jury's still out in the first question, depending on what the USGA and governing bodies do to try and reel this back in. If we feel like we're running out of ballpark space. Hey, speaking of reeling it back in, I will try to do that just for one second. Tiger Woods. They remember they were trying to tiger proof the courses, right guys? I mean, Danielle, you're a little younger, but they were trying to tiger proof everything in the late nineties and the early two thousands. Dustin Johnson hits it a long way. Rory McIlroy hits it a long way. Uh, it's just that the DeChambeau's physique has people asking questions, and there's hints around about the PED stuff. Brooks Kepka was alluding to it, the multi-time major winner, that there are some question marks about it. He's got to an answer for that, DeChambeau, uh, as this goes along. Uh, one more quick thing, Will. The, the news is confirmed today. The Ryder Cup, which is the U.S. against Europe in golf, is not going to be played at all this year. That's a bummer. I wanted to see it even without fans, just for the entertainment on TV, uh, give me, give me your opinion, just real quick here on this, I've on come, not having I've it. Come, yeah, I've come full circle. I was with you a couple of months ago. It's like let's have as many sporting events as possible. Let's be excited about things. But if there's one event in golf where the fans really truly matter, it's the Ryder Cup because it does give teams a little bit of a home course advantage, and it's part of the it's part of the tournament. Like I love not having fans out on the golf course last week. I can zip around, I can see the golf, and I'm not getting anyway. There's no Baba Buoys and mashed potatoes and all this other sort of stuff being screamed. Like <laughs> selfishly, it made my job a lot easier. Yes. And I think the player it's fine for the players. Now it hurts the local tournaments because there's a lot of charitable giving and concession sales, and I, we have to get back to finding ways to make these money makers for the local organizing tournaments. But I think the Ryder Cup is the one where the feel of the event wouldn't be the same without fans. And you can say that for maybe some of the majors, like will the masters have fans when we finally tee it up down there? What is that? November? Yeah. November, November finally, coming up. Right. Finally, right. Masters. Like, who knows where we'll be from a standpoint. I could see the masters being, I could watch the masters on TV without fans and be totally fine with it. Some might not be, but I think the Ryder cup was finally the one that crossed over where more people and especially the players, a lot of the players didn't want to be a part of it without fans. Here's the crazy thing as we get ready to wrap up. The U.S. Open usually plays in June. It's going to play in September and be the lead-in, essentially, to NFL football on that Sunday. The Masters, the same thing on CBS, the tradition. It's Not never Fox, been. though. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we, well, were, well, well, right. we were worried about – we were worried about whether Fox how they was going to do both. the U.S. Open, Not right? And they've gotten, gotten out of it. But at least on NBC, they can show it during yeah. the day. And NBC will have football later that night for the U.S. Open golf. But the Masters on CBS will lead right into the NFL, theoretically, in November. So we've got that coming uh, as well. All right, before I get out of here, one comment each. We'll go ladies first. Danielle McCartan, anything you want to riff on? Uh, maybe you've been uh, in, in uh, isolation. You've been cooking something. Uh, you've got a new uh, book that you like. I don't know what it is anybody that wants to riff on anything you got 30 seconds go danielle all right my first point i want to make is i feel like we've seen this story before when we've seen the skinny guy become the muscular guy and i'm going to point to barry bonds uh (laughs) that was peds that was oh yeah there's there's no question we've seen that but i've been playing a lot of video games in quarantine (laughs) what are you playing confess what are you playing 
right now I have my uh, NBA, NBA 2K. What do you got going there? You the Knicks? You the Knicks? Oh, I, I was drafted by the Knicks, but they were so terrible that I uh, had to get out. <laughs> now I'm with the Mavericks <laughs> and Kristaps Porzingis, <laughs> former Nick as well. Um, All right. uh, but otherwise, I've been just running every day, uh, doing some exercising and um, staying in shape. You're good on that. Jason Cole, uh, to you, sir. Uh, what do you got going on? Anything you want to riff on? What's up? Remodeling in the back. You see a lot of uh, stuff behind here. We have new floors in the house. We've taken down trees in the garden. Oh, We've my God. this back room. It was all navy blue before. I can actually work w back here. Wait a minute. The, the walls this, and everything around you was oh yeah, navy my, blue? My wife has been kicking my butt for the last four months. That's great. <laughs> but the good news is my John Elway biography is coming out in September. September 15th, Elway, A Relentless Life. Uh, coming out September 15th. I know you have been telling me privately that you were working hard on this book. So yes, coming in September years and, and years. people, people have to appreciate how amazing Elway was. And he maybe could have been a baseball player. And I have a feeling yep. that's in the book just as a plug. Oh, big chap, big chapter. Daniel enjoyed about the Yankees and Stein. There we go. Elway could have been a Yankee, Danielle. Will Haskett, what have you been up to with the kids? You've been in the pool. What else is going on besides working golf? R rant on anything you want. The floor is yours. I feel like I'm not going to enjoy the chapter in Jason's book about when he turned down my Colts. But um, <laughs> no, nevertheless, <laughs> like, that, yeah, that's, that's not going to be any fun. Yeah, you know what? It's been, I mean, the perspective that the last few months has given everybody about, you know, everything. I mean, to be able to have time at home has been pretty special and, uh, for those that don't follow me on Twitter, my kids have sort of invaded anything that I do from a social media video standpoint. So yes. we've been making we've been making all sorts of either satirical mockumentary content or actual real content with the kids. And the sad reality of it is, is that videos with my kids in it get ten times the views of my actual yes. hard hitting factual. Well, because the audience has figured stuff. the audience has figured out they're ten uh, times smarter and better at it than you. That's what well, I'm that's writing the all their lines though. But like I'm the one writing the stuff for them, and yet somehow people think that my anyway. It's been it's it's been kind of fun, and I'm really fortunate that I happen to work per, almost predominantly in a sport that's come back a lot sooner than others. So I know a lot of people out there are hurting, and I know that those of us in the media get to cover it, kind of have outlets to it, and so to all those people who rely on the day-to-day -day game ops and all those other sorts of things like we are thinking about you and we hope that we can get back to something pretty soon because the trickle-down effect in this industry has been has been hard to a lot of different places so sure. for those of us that are able to talk about it with a smile on our face uh, we should um, all be thankful for that every day we are all trying to be smiling on this. We'll have to leave it right there. My thanks to Will Haskett. My thanks, who's in Indianapolis. My thanks to Danielle McCartan in New Jersey, to Jason Cole in North Florida. Look for the Elway book coming out. Guys and gal, great job here on the Three Dog Thursday uh, video roundtable. I appreciate it. Great stuff. Thank you. See you. Thanks for having me, TJ. And my thanks also to Brian Edwards, our handicapper earlier on the podcast. Subscribe away. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. Find the podcast. Again, subscribe on the YouTube channel. Find us on video as well. For now, I'm TJ. We're done on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Bye.